morning it has been this morning. Man, uh, music takes me to a place that um, I can't get to on my own, especially uh, when it's singing praises to, to a God that loved me so much that he chose to send his only son that he might bear my sins and my shortfallings so that I would have a chance to go spend eternity uh, with my creator. I, it gets me every time I think about it. Uh, Sidewalk Prophets got a song out too that kind of talks about how my sins drove the nails. Uh, it's, it gets tough for me to swallow sometimes as I think that my, my faults and my shortcomings or, or part of the reason that he hung there. Um, what an offering. You know, the Bible tells us that there's no greater offering than for one to lay down his life for another, and, and that's what he did for us. Um, and I just pray that as I walk through my daily life that the only thing that I have to give back to him is, is my life. Um, I pray for each of you that you would find that, that the offering, the best offering that you can give back to a God that created you and sent his only son is, is to give him back your life in which he gave you. Um, we're just borrowing it for a short amount of time and we should treat it good and, and do the best that we can in everything that we try to do. Uh, but it does hit home this time of year as we look at what God done for us and the birth of a savior. And I was thinking about it this morning is as we talked about they they stood in awe and and knelt at a manger and just the feelings that passed through i know um when peyton was was born our firstborn i sat there in the hospital with misty and um she woke up right as the the sun was coming up peyton did and i held her and and set a chair and we watched the the sun come up for the first time just that overwhelming feeling of a birth that it brings. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. And I can't imagine knowing uh, the feelings that they all felt, knowing that it was foretold and that this was going to be the Savior. And just standing in awe in that, that stable, looking at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and just an overwhelming feeling that must have been for them. It just I can't imagine um, how grateful and thankful they waited years for. Um, and as we wait now for the return, they didn't get slothful and they they took obedience to to God's word. Um, but before we get started in the word, would you please bow your heads with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are thankful for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. God, there's no greater time of year, Lord, that your son was given to us. Lord, is the sacrifice that would become the sacrifice for the world's sin. God, we are forever thankful and indebted to you. Lord, and I pray that every person in here, Lord, and the ones that aren't here this morning, Lord, that we would come to a realization, Lord, that these lives aren't ours, God, that we owe you our life. Lord, that every ounce of our being is not our own but yours. 
And God, that we can start fulfilling our purposes in life as kingdom purposes, as, as God purposes us, as you purpose us. Lord, that we can start seeing those things and that we can get away from our own self-indulgence. Lord, that we can start focusing on the things that you would have for us. God, I pray this morning, God, that your words would touch lives, God, and move mountains. Lord, you're the same God that moved mountains back in the day and you can do it again today. Lord, you haven't changed. God, I pray that your spirit would flow through this house this morning, Lord, as we get into your word, Lord, and speak your truths that lives would be changed this morning. God, I pray that any, any life that is hanging in the balance this morning, Lord, might be overturned by your spirit. God, that there would be a realization that there's no time to waste as we need to start turning ourselves back towards you. God, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be used by you this morning, God. I pray, Lord, for everybody in this house, Lord, that you would just bless them, Lord, that you would bless their families. And Lord, like Anita said, bring healing and bring peace this time of year, Lord, to, to bring back the focus towards you, Lord. We are so thankful, Lord, to gather in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I titled this morning, The Key to Life. Life was truly, truly born on that day um, that we, as sinners, might have the opportunity to step into uh, a realm of righteousness and glory uh, paved, by, paved by Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to be in Luke 13. I'm sorry, I'm going to be in Luke 1. I got a side note there. <laughs> I write down a lot of notes as God speaks to me through the week, and sometimes they, the jumbled up mess, it gets a little overwhelming in my notebook. Uh, Luke 1, starting in 26. Luke 1, starting in 26. And one of the things that God showed me this week is obedience is the first step to Emmanuel. Obedience is the first step to God with us. We have to surrender to the Holy Spirit's conviction and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And only then does it become God with us. In Luke 1, starting in 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this would be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give, him, shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. 
Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I'm a little taken back at Mary's response. It floors me to think about being called a chosen one of God. I don't think we put enough credit into the fact that God chooses us. It said that Mary was highly favored. She was young. I think most records indicate that she was 14 to 16 years old. She was young when this happened. Um, And the trouble that faced her to be pregnant in this time without having a husband. I mean, ultimately, she could have faced death, stoning, um, all kinds of things she could have faced. But what was her response to the angel? She's like, okay, I've never known a man. How could this be? And then the last thing that she says, and Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to do thy word. And the angel departed from her. So she said, not me, but you. In act of obedience, we now have conceived the son of the highest. We now have a savior being born in a single act of obedience through Mary, a virgin who could have gotten into a lot of trouble for doing what she did. But she didn't question the fact, why me? She didn't question God and why he was doing what he was doing. He said, or she said, God, if you've chosen me, then I will be at your service. We talked a lot about this morning in Sunday school class, that exact thing. And it was really hard for me to read through that Sunday school lesson and not double up and give them all my (laughs) words that God had given me in the sermon this morning. But it is an act of obedience, and Mary took hold and stepped up and said, God, not me, but you. And how many times have we passed on the opportunity to say, God, not me, but whatever you would have, knowing that this was going to bring discomfort, that this was threatening to her life. But having put full trust in God, I'm going to assume all of her life, Because God said she was highly favored. She must have lived a lifetime according to God's will. Because as we've kind of looked and and figured out in the past and in my own life, um, God has given me a little. And then he gives me a little more. And then he gives me a little more. My first act of obedience to God, to me, whenever I really hit the go button, was being baptized. And I put it off for years, two or three years The Holy Spirit had called on me to get baptized and I created this perfect scenario where I had to be baptized so that it would never happen. 
And Mr. P spoke a message one Sunday that hit me right between the eyes. And I realized that today was the day, that there was no other day. God was talking to me, and I had to make a choice, and I had to make it now. And so that day I chose to get baptized. And since then, have progressively progressed into the spot that I am now giving us different tasks as a family, as a man, doing different things and growing my faith in Him and leading me along, nurturing me because I am a child of His. And so I have no doubts that this wasn't the first encounter that Mary had ever had, that he, she had been groomed along this whole time in, in testing her faith and building her up to this moment to the point where she would get to, God, whatever you would have for me, that's what I want to do. God, whatever you would have for me, that's what I want to do. And it's a growth process, not that it can't happen overnight. And I applaud the people that it does happen overnight because it's amazing, amazing testimony. But mine has been a growth process. And I believe that most people's is a growth process to get to the point where you are saying, God, whatever you would have for me. Because it's not always the thing that we want to do, but it's the thing that's going to benefit the kingdom the most. And I believe that God is looking for His people to get there today. Because my God is no different than He was yesterday. If He wants to impregnate a woman by the Holy Spirit, I believe that He can do that today. I believe that God wants willing participants to carry out His will for us here on earth. And I believe that hasn't changed since the beginning. If we look in Luke chapter 2, starting in 8. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Notice I didn't say some people, I said all people, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day to the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there, were, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them, into heaven the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. The first thing that I really come to the forefront of my mind is you think about the second coming of the Lord. Back in my younger, little wilder days, I was working with some family out in Colorado. 
And me and my cousin, we had went to the mall, and we had bought a couple inappropriate shirts, and I was wearing one of them around the house, and he said, what if Jesus came back today? What if your Lord came back today? Would you tell him, hold on, I want to go change my shirt? And I laughed at that time because it it was funny, and I didn't really put whole much thought into it because I was a teenager, and I thought I was all that and really cool, and and the shirt was just, it was funny, um, but it was explicit, so I'm not going to explain it. Um, But when I think about this, the Lord says we won't know when he's coming back, that we won't know the hour, we won't know the time. And the, to think about the times that I'm, when I'm falling short or when I'm failing, what if our Savior came back in that moment? Wow, what if my Savior came back in that moment? In my older days, it was drinking and partying. What if, what if my Savior came back and I couldn't even stand in His presence because I'd had too much alcohol? Would He receive me like that? We want to think that His coming is not going to be in our lifetime and it's, and it's so far off that we don't know and they've been talking about the second coming for hundreds of years. But we have to be ready. The angels appeared to these shepherds and they were doing exactly what they were supposed to do. They weren't slothful. They weren't sleeping. They were tending their herd exactly like they were supposed to. He didn't catch them and didn't come back to them at a point of weakness where they were failing to uphold the commandments of God. He said he appeared to the shepherds as they were attending their flock. They were on point. They were doing everything that they were supposed to be doing. I pray that I can be that person when Jesus comes back to get me. That I'm not slothful and sleeping and not doing the things that he's asking me to do or in the middle of a big sin that I know that's taking place but I'm not willing to forgo because I'm at that moment diving after fleshly lusts and desires. Think about it. The angels appeared to the shepherds and they were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing. That's how I want Jesus to find me when He comes back after me. I want Him to find me in the exact place that He has appointed me to be at that time. Whether it's here or out on the street or in California, I don't care. But I want to be exactly where I'm supposed to be in the sight of God when my Savior comes back to get me. He wants to be there. Amen? I want to be found Doing exactly what God had commanded me to do. Not doing something that I shouldn't be doing. And we don't know that. The shepherds didn't know that these angels were going to appear to them. They were just doing what they were supposed to be doing. I know I've talked to several several church members, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, not only at this church, but at different churches as I've... uh, done some self-studies about sinful habits and things of this nature. And the one thing that always occurred to me is that the sinful nature is always respondent when the person is alone. 
right? Everybody shows up happy and smiling and their marriage is the best and the kids never misbehave when we walk in church on Sunday morning, right? How many married couples have fought like cat and dogs on the way to church and you walk in the door and you're like, hey, it's been a while. Yeah, everything's great. I mean, right? We've all been there. How many parents have stopped on the way to church to get your kid out of the truck to give him a slapping? And then you show up to church and yeah, man, they're just really good kids. And But that's not real. We have a hard time being real with one another because we don't want to show weakness. We don't want to show vulnerability. But these men out in their daily lives, these men were found by an angel of the Lord in their daily lives walking normally and they were being obedient to everything that God had for them. That's what I'm talking about. Not just walking the straight and narrow on Sunday morning, but taking it with you on, on Monday morning and Monday evening. That if any time during the day, during the week, Jesus Christ came back to get you, you wouldn't have to say, hold on, let me stop what I'm doing. Or hold on, let me go change my shirt. Or hold on, I need to be somewhere different than where I am right now. I can't imagine being somewhere that I shouldn't be when Christ calls on me. I don't know if anybody's ever put a lot of thought into this. I hadn't until I read this and and God showed me. He's like, my men were attending their flock. They weren't falling down on the job. They weren't asleep letting their flock run wild. They weren't somewhere else while somebody else attended their flock. They had a flock I called upon them. I knew exactly where they were because that's exactly where I wanted them to be. Amen. That's how I want Jesus Christ to find me whenever he comes back. And I don't know if it'll be tomorrow. And I don't know if it'll be next week. I don't know that it'll be in my lifetime. But are you willing to chance the fact to be caught drunk in a bar or with a needle out of your arm when Jesus Christ comes back to call on you? That's risky business. That is risky business. Are you going to be middle of a cussing storm because you just hit your thumb with a hammer when he comes back, when you do the old cussing chuck? Is Jesus going to have to dodge the hammer that you just threw as he approaches you to call you home? That's a risk. That's an inherent risk. The next thing, as I read down through this, not only did he find them exactly where they were, the angel explained to him what was going on. In verse 15, it says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I can imagine this conversation, you can imagine as, you know, the angels come down from heaven and they're talking to, you know, the one angel and, and you're like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And then you get a whole host of angels. It's not just one anymore. And they're all praising and they're telling you this crazy thing. And could you imagine the conversation after the angels left? Did you see that? 
I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine what this real conversation was like, but it says, And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They made a choice. They made a choice in that field after the angels had appeared to them and told them about the great news. About a Savior had been born. They made a choice to leave their earthly responsibilities to go seek out heavenly reign. Amen? They made the choice to leave their flock, their job here on earth, to seek out the Savior. This eternal way. This pathway into heaven. This child that was born on this night to create a way for me to enter into heaven. They made their choice. They chose to pursue heavenly things over earthly things. So not only did they find them where they were supposed to be, now that they came together and they made the decision to leave what they knew, to go into a place that they didn't know to, about, to see about a child that they didn't know. Because the angel had came to them and spoke from God and told them what was going on. They chose to walk by faith and leave what they knew in pursuit of heavenly things. That astonished me. Whenever I was reading through this, I had never thought about that before in my life as I've read this several times that they made a choice to follow things that they didn't know and leave things that they know in pursuit of heavenly things because the earthly things all of a sudden had no bearing on the heavenly things because we're supposed to be of this world, not in this world. We're supposed to set apart and strive after godly Heavenly kingdom things. But how often do we strive after earthly things over heavenly possibilities? We talked about this morning. Talking about passing up opportunity to serve the Lord so that you can serve yourself. I even made the testimony this morning, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that is guilty, but I will say for myself that usually any time that I ever pass up a job that the Lord has clearly spoken to me is because of my own selfish desires. Because I have an agenda. Because I have to be somewhere. Or just because I don't want to. This isn't quite the Christmas story that you guys... <laughs> it is good though. I mean, it is good. These are things that we can learn from. He gives us these examples in this book because they're truths that you can base your life off of. And the greatest gift ever given was given in this story. And it's a story of how people chose to relinquish their own self, their own earthly desires, their own lusts to travel and seek after heavenly things. That's the beautiful part of the story not only that the best gift was given in a savior but all these people gave up what they knew their own desires and they followed this baby amen 
This baby was born to give people a chance. And all these people laid laid aside their only knowledge of earthly things and they pursued things that are in the heavenly realm. It just blows my mind when we start thinking about these things. How often do we sacrifice ourselves so that we can do kingdom work? Who knows what I'm talking about when I even say kingdom work? Right? We all got jobs to do. We're not naive to this. Some of us do more than others, but it doesn't make a difference. It's where your heart's coming from. I told somebody this morning, I was talking, I forgot even who I was having a conversation with, but it's more about where it's coming from. You can give somebody money to promote yourself. Sure, it's a nice act, but where's it coming from? You do it so that people can see you do it. There's no reward for that. The Bible says that you get your reward now, not later, because you're doing it for yourself. So when people see you doing it and they lift your name up, that's your reward. When it's given in secret and you do it from the heart and you do it because you care about people, because you love one another, because you want to see saving happen and you don't need the glory. You want God to get the glory. That's when you reap eternal treasures. In verse 16, it says, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told concerning this child. They didn't just say, Aha, yeah, we'll make this trip and we'll just kind of leisurely get there. They sought after it and they sought after it hard. The word of God gives us these things and how often do we seek after them and how hard do we seek after eternal life? How hard do we look for God for purpose? How hard do we look for God for answers in our problems? Do we only seek him in time of need or do we seek him in all times and everything? Because when you're doing good and you've got momentum going with you and you can feel the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're not the only one that feels it. People around you can feel it. And when you Take hold of those things and you say, God, yes, God, I can feel you. Whatever you want, whatever you desire, that is my desire. That's a life worth living. That's a life that doesn't end. Because you've given the only thing that you have back to your creator. And that's your life. They went with haste. They didn't jack around in the field deciding whether they wanted to go or they didn't want to go. The angel found them doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing. They had a conversation and decided to follow godly things versus this earthly things that they had scheduled to do. And they went with passion and they went with purpose. They went in haste. I'm going to turn next to Matthew 2. Matthew 2. Matthew 2, starting in verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. 
When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Why were they troubled? Why were they troubled? These three, it doesn't say three, these wise men came following a star, a light. They were following a light that God had put before them. Obedience. God had directed them with a light. Jesus said, be the light to your feet, to light your path. There's all kinds of cool scripture about the light. And these wise men were following a light. And when I got to thinking about it, they could see the light because they were pursuing heavenly things. It was a heavenly light. This wasn't made for people that weren't pursuing heavenly things. King Herod, as you read on down through there, was not after pursuit of seeking to actually find a Savior because he was threatened about the King of the Jews. His purpose for finding Jesus was not so that he could worship Him. His purpose in finding Jesus was so that he could destroy Him. And so they were not led to Jesus by a light. Now when I got to thinking about that, when I start thinking about where I am led and what I am led by. Sometimes I hit a good streak and I'm led by the light of God and I follow it and I pursue it. But too often I am led by the lusts and fleshly desires of myself. And sometimes it gets awful hard to see that light. Sometimes my light dims compared to what I am doing. So when they, King Herod, he was like, what is this light that you're talking about? Because it says, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country another way. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. What are we following today? What are you following today? Are you following the light of God? 
Are you following the things that God would set in front of you that He wants you to have? He wanted these men to see a Savior that was born and He guided them exactly where He wanted them to go. I can tell you today that this is not a God of old. This is a God of right now. This is a God that wants you to follow the same star, His pathway that He has laid out for you and wants you to follow. So what are we following today? In James, he tells us that we're not led away by God, but we're led away by our own lusts and our own desires. When I can't see God, it's not because He has left me, it's because I have left Him and followed what I wanted. Sometimes we follow good things and and we're doing good things and that's fine. But if you're not following what God has on your life, then you're missing out on great things. Heavenly things. You think that the stuff that is in this Bible isn't possible anymore. I beg to differ. My God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He hasn't changed. We have changed. We have to become a people that will follow His light. We have to deny our own flesh and follow His light, His will, His desire, not our own. His will and desire on our life is not only for us to have life, but to have life more abundant. He wants better things for us than we can ever even imagine that are physically possible for us. That's what He wants. Why do we not follow that? I'm right there with you guys. That's why we get together and we work and we build one another up and we correct one another out of loving kindness, not out of hate to point out what you've done wrong. But brother, you're stepping out of line. I hope you can see it. I don't want you to fall. I want you to succeed. I want you to have that everything that God would have for you. Is that what you desire? Do you desire everything that God would have for you? It's a tough question. It shouldn't be. It should be like, I'm all in. This is a gravy train with biscuit wheels and we're rolling. But we don't. Why? Because we allow our own desires to take over. Our own circumstances to take over. That's why I always say happiness and joy have no correlation. Because joy is heavenly. Happiness is circumstantial and can go away. Seek after joy. Happiness is for a moment. Happiness is great. But joy is better. Joy is everlasting. Joy is from above. Happiness is based on circumstances in this earth. And they can go away just like that. But when you have that inner joy, when you've got the joy that you're living a life for the Lord, you've got everything that you ever need to succeed. All the tools in your bag that you need to complete the job because we can't forget that we have a God that has went before us and we've got a God that's going to come back and walk through it with us. Amen? God knew we would need a Savior. And He sent it so that we... So that we could be saved. He doesn't need saving. He sent His Son for us because we needed it. 
If you would, please stand with me. As we open up the altars today, I implore you to look inside yourself and see what you're following. If you're not following godly things, then turn away from whatever this earth would have for you and surrender yourself in every aspect of your life to follow the Lord because He doesn't only want good. He wants you to have things that you can't even imagine that you could have. Serving God is not a burden. It's a blessing. Coming to church on Sunday morning is not a burden. It's an opportunity. You know what I pray every Sunday morning? Everybody that enters a church building worldwide, that they would have open hearts and open minds to receive what God would have for them. That this morning would be life changing for somebody that's what i pray it doesn't have to be in this church but i want lives changed because of what god is doing man who else wants that with me i want lives changed i want people's direction changed i want people's attitudes changed we can look around in this world and we can see what this world is serving Are we a light? Are we a house for God's light to shine through us into a dark and getting darker world? Does where we walk make a difference to somebody else? Are we living a life so that people can see us? Are we living a life so that people can see God? That's my question. If you can't answer that, find out. Man, look at yourself. That's one of the hardest things that you can do is reflect on your own life and admit your own faults. That's hard. But you have to get to a point where you realize that there's something bigger than you out there. His name is Emmanuel. It's God with us. You can be all that here on earth, but that means nothing without a Savior. Nothing. So as we open up the altars this morning, question yourself. Ask, what am I truly desiring in my everyday life? Not just on Sunday. Man, Monday morning when I wake up, what do I want? Do I want to have a successful day at work? Sure. But most of all, am I seeking God first and foremost in my life? Am I seeking Him with everything that I have day in and day out? I pray that God would save me from circumstances that if Jesus came back, I wouldn't be embarrassed by where I'm at or what I'm wearing. That I would be rejoicing because my Savior came back for me. That He would say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Those words ring out in my heart. That I might one day get to hear my Creator say, well done good and faithful servant. Who else wants to hear that? Check yourself this morning. Now is the time for alignment. Get aligned in the right direction. Turn the right way. Seek God with your whole heart. Now is the time. The altars are open.